Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord put something in my heart for tonight. So if you turn me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. I never want to get up here and just preach what I want to preach, but I want to preach what God puts on my heart for somebody that would touch somebody's life. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says this, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. God, we thank you for your word. We know that your word is anointed. God, I pray that you would anoint your messenger tonight. God, I pray that your word would hit its intended target tonight, God, and that our hearts would be open to what you would say to us in this place, and that we would give ourselves totally to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. You can be seated. For a little while tonight, I want to preach, teach, talk about this subject. The power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Amen. I believe tonight that this word is for somebody in this house. And I believe it's for somebody that's watching online as well. Or the Lord wouldn't have given it to me. But if it's not where you're at at this very moment, just hold on in life. Because there will be a time when you will need it. Because Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7 says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. So that tells me that offenses are going to come no matter what sometimes in our life. Amen? They will come because the Word of God says it, said it, and so that makes it true. But we know that forgiveness is probably the most difficult thing for a human being to do, is to forgive somebody. Sometimes that's the very hardest thing for us to do. Forgiveness is something that comes from God. Our nature is not like God's. We know that, right? The human nature is not like that. Human nature is it's, it's to lie and to cheat, to steal, to be lustful, to be unfaithful, to exhibit selfishness, to be short-tempered. You say, well, that's me? To, to, to hold grudges. And you can make the list go on and on and on because that's human nature. That's who we were born into. Sin because of Adam. That's who we are. But to be like God, we need to be striving to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life each and every day. And if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, then there should be some of the fruit of the Spirit of God in you that God is cultivating in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. And cultivating, or cultivation just simply is the loosening and the breaking up or the tilling of the soil. In a spiritual sense, that reminds me of Ezekiel 46 and 26 where it says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Amen. God wants to put a new heart into somebody tonight. God wants to help you tonight. So in the process of cultivation, the soil around existing plants is cultivated by hand using either a, a you've done it before, I'm sure, with a hoe, right? Or you've taken a rototiller or a machine of some sort to destroy the weeds, and this promotes the growth that needs to be, happen by increasing the soil aeration and water infiltration into, the, into that soil, right? We were made from the dust of the ground. We are simply soil. 
And in a spiritual sense, the more that you surrender yourself to God and allow God to dig deeper into the soil, the more we allow Him to dig deeper into our fleshly nature, into those things that the issues of life that we have, the more that we do that, the more the Holy Ghost, that river of God, that living water can flow through us. Come on, somebody. Causing you to change your environment as the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives. So as we let God dig into our life and cultivate what he wants to cultivate, we begin to see that where there used to be hate, there's there's not hate anymore. There's love. We begin to see joy where there used to be sadness and peace where there used to be anxiety and long-suffering where there used to be a bad temper and gentleness where there used to be unkindness and goodness where there used to be wickedness and faith where there used to be fear and meekness where there used to be self-assertiveness and temperance where there used to be no emotional restraint. That's what we find when we let God cultivate what he wants to do in our lives. We find the fruit of the Spirit, which we find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's what we want in our lives. We want to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We want the, the Lord to cultivate these things. So the Bible calls these attributes, attributes fruit. Right? It's quiet in here tonight. I'm just talking slow. Psalms chapter 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We can see from verse 3 that we are supposed to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. Trees produce fruit. Why do they produce fruit? Well, inside of each fruit, is a seed. And that seed is how the tree re- reproduces itself. So it's very important. Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 3, says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. You know the parable of the sower. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some hundred. But then Jesus explains the significance of the seed in verse 14. Mark 14 and 4 and 14 says, The sower soweth the word. The scripture makes it very simple. The seed is the word. And if you're going to produce the fruit that you're supposed to produce in your life, you've got to have the seed of the word growing in you. And it's going to change you when you allow it to do what it's supposed to do. Amen. Change is not always the easiest. Change is not always comfortable. Growth hurts. I think of my two boys. 
as they were growing and going through some growing pains. They had some serious growing pains, and it hurt. They'd have cramps and cry and moan and groan about it. And I'm going to hear about it after church for speaking about it, because I see some of their heads are down already. But growth is not easy. It often it hurts. Amen. The growth process isn't always fun, but it is necessary in our lives. In the natural and in the spiritual, it's very necessary. The tree multiplies itself and grows in number by the fruit that it produces. We've got to have fruit in our life. To claim to be a follower of Christ, we must have the fruit of the Spirit actively growing in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is how we spread the seed. And when the seed finds good ground, it will grow and it will produce more fruit. Are you with me? So for a tree to spread the seed, it must produce good fruit. The better the fruit, the more people desire or want that fruit. You can go to Hannaford, Walmart, Shop and Save, Sam's Club, wherever you get your produce from. And there are fruits from all over the place. You'll find them from California, from Chile, from Costa Rica, from Mexico and Hawaii and India and many other places that you'll find fruit from. Trees in those faraway places have spread their seed all the way to Maine because they produced great fruit. Not grapefruit. They produced great fruit. I've never been to those places where those trees were planted. I've been to some of those countries, but I've never been to the place that those trees were planted that I've eaten from. I do not know the farmers that farmed those trees and planted them, yet I know their fruit. Matthew 7, 18-20 says, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall be known. What are you producing for fruit in your life that you're going to be known by? Come on. We are known by our fruits. In the natural, the only way that a tree can grow and bear fruit is if the farmer plants the seed. That seed didn't get planted without some help from the farmer. And the spiritual application is this. In order to grow fruit in the spirit, in your life, you must have a connection. You've got to have a relationship with God. There, I got an amen. One thing I know that will hinder us from that relationship with God is this, and this is what God's been speaking to my heart too about this week. Is unforgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five and 26 says, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is important to God. And I see through this passage of Scripture that unforgiveness hinders my prayer which hinders my relationship because prayer is my communication line with God. And if I have unforgiveness in my life, it hinders my relationship with God. And my prayers don't get through. When you harbor resentment, 
When you harbor offense and bitterness or anger toward another person, it blocks your prayers. And the Word of God says, forgive so that you may be forgiven. God has given me so much, I don't want to be that bitter person that holds on to things and says, oh, you know what, I'm going to be angry at that person for the rest of my life. So be I don't care. They did that 20 years ago, and I'm going to keep that going on for the next 20 years until I die. I don't care. No, God has forgiven me of much, so I need to forgive much. Amen. I can't afford to withhold forgiveness from somebody else. I can't afford to hold that back. Matthew 18 and 21, starting there, says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And you can imagine we're human. You can just imagine that Peter, somebody had just, had just robbed him for the last time and he was ready to take off their head. Impetuous Peter was ready just to reach out and just give him a good old jab. He was ready for it. But God says, no, that's not the way it works, Pete. He's not even saying that 70 times 7 stop. The principle is there that, hey, you just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. I've forgiven you much, so just, just keep forgiving, Pete. And that's what God's saying to us tonight, in this place tonight. Amen. Remember that offense is just simply pride. It is. Offense is just simply pride. Maybe it's a family member that you need to forgive. Maybe you have to get rid of some resentment, especially maybe it's to somebody that's very close to you. I don't know. Husbands, wives, children, and their parents... All must be forgiven when slights and resentments build up into family situations. Don't let unforgiveness, don't let that cause divisions in your home and divisions in your family. It's a trick of the enemy that he's trying to use to put divisions among you to keep you from being the family that God has called you to be and to keep you from having the fruit of the Spirit that God wants you to have in your life. Someone might say, well, I didn't think family counted. I thought I could wrap them out anytime I wanted to and just chew upon them because they're close. Who cares? Unforgiveness is unforgiveness. It doesn't matter whether it's family. It doesn't matter whether it's somebody that you just met. Unforgiveness is simply unforgiveness. God doesn't classify different types of unforgiveness. He just says forgive. <laughs> to realize the power of forgiveness in our lives... There has to be forgiveness for anybody who has ever done anything to you. Anybody? What? It might be that their resentment and that your, sorry, that your resentment is justified. It might be that way in your life. That person may have done something very evil to you. A terrible thing to you might have happened from them. You may even have every legal and intellectual right to hold a grudge and to hate that person. But if you want to experience the power of forgiveness in your life, it's absolutely imperative that you forgive. Amen. Am I making sense? Yes. If unforgiveness keeps us from communicating with God correctly, we cannot afford any bit of unforgiveness to be in our lives. We can't allow that to continue. No fruit of the Spirit is being grown in our lives 
without the help of the Lord. We cannot do it on our own. We need the help of the Master tonight. And God, I believe He's here tonight to do something in our lives and to help us. 1 Peter 2 and 20, starting there in the New English Translation, says, For what credit is it if you sin and are mistreated and endure it? But if you do good and suffer and so endure, this finds favor with God. For to this you were called, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. You see, Christ set the greatest example for us. He was the greatest example. Why? He was suffering in anguish on the cross. He showed us what forgiveness looks like. Remember Luke 23 and 34 where Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. While they were crucifying him, he was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was showing us the greatest act of forgiveness. I think of others in the Bible that as they were dying and being martyred, amen, they said, Lord, Stephen said, lay not this sin to their charge. He wasn't thinking about himself. There are examples of great forgiveness and the kind of forgiveness that we're supposed to have in our life when the fruit of the Spirit is reigning and growing inside of us. Maybe your unforgiveness tonight is not directed towards a person. Maybe your unforgiveness is directed towards God. There are people who blame God because things happened in life. Maybe a child died. Maybe it was a relationship issue or somebody became sick and maybe there was a financial issue. I don't know. But consciously or unconsciously, they think all these things are God's fault in their lives. And there's a deep-seated deep resentment that begins to grow inside of them. Yet we cannot be resentful toward God and experience the power of forgiveness. You have to rid yourself of any bitterness toward God if you're going to receive the forgiveness that God has for you, that power of forgiveness in your life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness, bitterness, no matter who it's aimed at, it will defile a person. It will corrupt you, no matter who it's aimed at. So if you've been blaming God for a certain situation, I know there's somebody that God's speaking to in this house and God's speaking to somebody online that I know in the Holy Ghost. Tonight, before this is over tonight, you can experience that true power of forgiveness if you'll let God reach in and help you and if you'll give it all over to God again and you'll repent. Let His blood wash you. Let His blood release the power of forgiveness tonight into your life. Here's, Here's where it's hard for many of us. Many people have a harder time letting things go and forgiving themselves more than forgiving someone else. Come on. We beat ourselves up more than anybody else does most of the time. We're unwilling to forgive ourselves. And we forget or fail to recognize the fact that God says in Psalms 103 and verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
As far as the east is from the west, we're saying, God, your blood is not big enough. Your blood is not good enough. God, your blood can't cover what I did. That's what we're saying. We forget to recognize the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. But you were, such were some of you. But you were washed. You were cleansed. You were justified. You were sanctified. It's all through the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. We cannot discount the power of the blood of Jesus. If we will allow his blood to do its work, it will wash every guilt away. It will wash every past sin away. There's nothing that you have to worry about because of the blood of Jesus if you'll surrender it all to him tonight. Isaiah 64 and 6 says, But we were all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf in our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Most of us know this, but the Word of God says that all of us, it's to all of us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Romans 3 and 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 1, starting with verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and god has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath god chosen yea and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him are ye in christ who of god has made unto us wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Is anybody thankful for what God did? Is anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Come on. It wasn't in you in the first place. He chose you because he knew that he'd get all the glory. He chose you for this hour and for this day. He ordained you for this moment because he knew that he could use you. And when the miraculous took place, you wouldn't get any glory. That all the glory would go to him because in your weakness, he is made strong. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. The weak things to confound those that are mighty. Come on, his ways are above our ways and thoughts are above our thoughts. That's the kind of God that we serve. And somebody tonight needs to know that Jesus has become your righteousness. It's not in you. You will never be good enough. On your own, you will never be worthy enough. You'll never make it on your own. But you need to realize tonight that Jesus is good enough. His blood is good enough. His blood is powerful enough to overcome every sin and every guilt that you may have. If you're the one holding yourself back by living in condemnation over yesterday's mistakes, today, right now, tonight, you need to bow your head and ask God to forgive you for living in the past and not allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Oh, it got quiet in here. I love this portion of Scripture. I read it a lot because it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great 
is thy faithfulness. I want to remind you tonight that you woke up this morning with brand new, fresh mercies. Great is his faithfulness. I didn't deserve it, but this morning I woke up to fresh mercies of God. I made, I made a mistake yesterday, but I could bow my knee and say, God, please forgive me. And his blood was great enough for that. And I said, God, I thank you. Great is your faithfulness. Is anybody thankful for the faithfulness of God? Hallelujah. But as long as we feel that we are under condemnation, we will never experience the power of forgiveness. You know what the word says, Romans 8 and 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 1 John 3 and 20, starting there, says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. If our heart does not condemn us, the Bible says, we have confidence toward God. We can't live in condemnation. We can't afford to live in condemnation. But we got to have confidence in God. Confidence in what he's already done for us. Confidence in his blood. Confidence that Calvary was enough for what we did. Amen. We cannot have continuing sin in our lives and expect forgiveness. We have to be free from ongoing conscious sin and rebellion against God to experience that forgiveness. But if we're walking in the light and walking in forgiveness, then the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing us from all sin. Amen. 1 John 1 and 7 says exactly that. But if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. His blood is powerful. Hallelujah. Anybody want to testify and take a moment right now and just testify to the goodness of God? Testify to the power of his cleansing blood. Hallelujah. Right after Jesus' conversation with Peter about forgiving 70 times 7, Jesus shares another parable. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 24 through 35, he said, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for so much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him 100 pence. And he laid hands on him. And took him by his throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down on his feet, at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told 
unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. And listen to what the word of God says. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Unforgiveness, no matter who it's towards, will always bring torment. It just won't leave you alone. It gnaws on you day after day and day in and day out. Unforgiveness always brings torment. 1 John 4, 18 and 21 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is, made, is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Tonight I say to you, it's time to let the one who is perfect love cast out all fear. Because fear has torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. It's time to let the one that's perfect in love cast that out for me tonight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody tonight, your victory will come through forgiveness. Somebody tonight, uh, amen, when you forgive, that's when you're going to get the victory that you're looking for, that you need. You're going to find your victory through forgiveness. I'm coming to a close. Somebody say, thank God. I'm sure you probably heard this story. Pastors told this story several times, but I felt like I should tell it again tonight. Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy were taken to Ravensbrook concentration camp. And the conditions of life in Ravensbrook were shameful and difficult. Death by starvation, beating, torture, Hanging and shootings happened daily. They were packed into a huge barrack room. It had been built to house 400 people. But there was 1,400 prisoners in it. They had to sleep on straw mattresses filled with choking dust and swarming with fleas. Even the guards did not like going into the barrack room because of the fleas. Roll call was at half past four in the morning. Imagine that. There were 35,000 women in this camp. And if anyone was missing, they were counted again and again. So it often went on for hours upon hours. And if the prisoners did not stand up straight, the women guards would beat them with riding whips. The work was extremely hard. Corey and Betsy had to load heavy sheets of steel on the carts, push them for a certain distance, and then unload them. All the time, the guards shouted at them to work faster. They were only given 
a potato and some thin soup at lunchtime and some turnip soup with a piece of black bread in the evening. And the prisoners who were doing lighter work had, to, had no lunch at all. And it's been said that the prisoners became ill, the guards took no notice of them until their temperature was at least 104 degrees, which we know that's, they're probably pretty ill at that point in time. Then they had to join the long line for the camp hospital, but nothing was done for them when they finally got there. When the hospital was full, the weakest prisoners were put into lorries and taken to gas chambers to be killed. Their bodies were burned. The tall chimney above the ovens in the center of the camp were always belching gray smoke. This was the hell on earth to which Corey and Betsy had come. In the evenings, after a hard day's work and a miserable supper, Corey and Betsy took out the little Dutch Bible. And at first, a small group gathered around to listen. Then more and more women joined them. The guards never came in to stop them because of the fleas. So Corey and Betsy thanked God for the fleas. Under these terrible conditions, the goodness in the, in the words of the Bible shone out brightly, and the message of God's love brought comfort. With death all around, the promise of eternal life and the glory of heaven gave the women hope for the future. One day, Betsy was cruelly whipped by a guard for not working hard enough. But she did not give in to hatred. She prayed for the guards as much as she prayed for the prisoners. Corey found this very difficult, but somehow Betsy seemed to have risen above all the suffering to be living very close to God. Gradually, however, Betsy became weaker and weaker. It was bitterly cold that November, and Betsy became so ill that she was admitted to the hospital. Corey was not allowed to visit her sister, but each day she would look at her through one of the hospital windows. Finally, it came to a point where she went to look, and Betsy's bed was empty. Corey was heartbroken. At first, she did not dare to look into the room where the dead were placed. Then another prisoner called her, and there was Betsy. Yes, she was dead. But her face had changed. Instead of being full of pain and suffering as it had been, it was now beautiful, like the face of an angel. Think about this. If you were to add up the populations of Augusta, Gardner, Hollowell, Sydney, Waterville, Winslow, Farmington, and Bangor, you would count approximately 91,549 people. Okay? It's estimated that 92,000 people died in Ravensbrook. And during the last months of the war and due to the rapid advance of the Russian army, the SS decided to exterminate as many prisoners as they could in order to avoid any testimony about what happened in the camp. And here is Corey's personal testimony. She said, I was in a church in Munich where I was speaking in 1947. That I, then I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next I saw a blue uniform and a visor cap with its skull and crossbones. She said memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. The huge room was with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment of skin. 
Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze, Corey said. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time, he went on, I I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I'd like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? She said, I stood there. Could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds, she said, that she stood there, hand held out to me. But it seemed as if hours, as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew I had to. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. Lord, you supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, she said an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then his healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears into my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former guard, and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. That's a powerful story. You see, with Corey's willingness came God's power to forgive her former captor. When you and I are willing to see our need for God's forgiveness, He is willing and able to forgive our sins. And you know what the Bible says? It says, we read it already, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to explain that God demonstrates his own love for us in Romans 5 and 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful? I don't know what you came expecting tonight, but this is what God laid upon my heart. And I believe there's somebody tonight that needs to experience the power of forgiveness that God has for you in your life. You don't have to be tormented any longer by the enemy. You don't have to be tormented any longer by your past. Because perfect love has come into this place tonight to to overcome that torment. Amen. And the word of God says that perfect love casteth out all fear. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? Perfect love casteth out all fear. It's up for you to... 
for you to tap into that perfect love that God has for you. His love, the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross is alive and real right here, right now. And if somebody in this house would come forward and say, God, I'm tapping into the power of forgiveness tonight. I'm tapping into the power of your blood. I'm not going to let my past control me any longer. I'm not going to let the things that have held me bound, that unforgiveness hold me bound anymore, Lord Jesus. I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving those past hurts away to you. And I'm trusting in you. I can't make anybody do anything, but I know the, I know the Lord's been speaking to some people's hearts in this place tonight. And if you'd respond to God, there would be something that would flood through your soul like hasn't flooded through your soul in a long, long time. That overwhelming presence of God would flood through you the moment that you forgive and say, God, I'm letting this go. I'm giving this. It may happen to you. It have happened to you as a child. And it may have been so hurtful, but if you'll let it go tonight, and let the blood of Jesus just cover and help you tonight. There's something miraculous that God wants to do in somebody's life in this place. There's something miraculous that God wants to do in somebody's life that's watching online. But it's up to you now to give it to God. Sister Amy, would you come play something? Help me. Is there anybody that wants to talk to God about what God's been talking to your heart about tonight? Anybody would find a place to pray and say, God, here I am. I don't want any root of bitterness to grow in me. Here I am, God. I don't want any offense to grow up in me. God, I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I give it to you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name.